The climate of the supply chain has always included elements of change and chaos. But now, the business environment is potentially going to be required to report more about their impact on the outside environment. Captain Planet would be proud. What is Scope 3 Emissions and why should it matter? Well, folks, we're going to find out in this episode of Loaded and Rolling. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling, folks. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson. Back in March 2022, the Securities and Exchange Commission proposed some rule changes that would require certain climate-related disclosures and reports and registration statements. Well, it turns out that Uncle Sam wants business to include more information about climate risk and what might impact businesses. Uh, for trucking and the supply chain, emissions are going to be a big part of doing business. But what does it mean if these rules go into effect and what should companies know about these emissions and climate-related disclosures? Joining us, though, to talk about the sustainability emissions and why it matters is Josh Bauck, president of Trax Technology, a freight audit and transportation spend management platform. Welcome, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. So for folks who are unaware or outside the industry, what are we talking about when we're saying scope three emissions? Is that something like the third scope or are we looking at like scopes one, two, and three? So there's three scopes in the way that the, that the world looks at emissions, carbon emissions. The first is your direct emissions uh, created by your factories, your product uh, development processes. Your scope two is all the, the emissions that are created from the generation of electricity that you consume as a, a part of those processes. And then scope three is everything that's everything else, everything outside of your, uh, your own en enterprise that you are uh, responsible for, for um, whether you're sending people uh, traveling like your sales team, well, there's emissions related to that. They're on, they're on different airline flights, those aren't your flights, but they are, uh, they're still creating emissions. And when you move product, the biggest area is transportation. For As companies move product around the world, they are, they are producing uh, greenhouse gases and emissions that are um, significant, upwards of 27% of all emissions generated by the company. Holy cow. I that, feel like... That's scope three. That's what blows my mind is it feels like it opens up a new can of worms for a lot of the folks who haul things. They can barely figure out their own fuel economy, <laughs> nevertheless, how much they're putting out. That, that's right. I mean, that's really the challenge for that this new um, area of, of uh, the SEC's requirements is, are going, the challenge it's placing on enterprises is because they deal, an average enterprise might deal with hundreds of carriers around the world. And each of those carriers uh, measures or doesn't measure at all their level of uh, carbon emissions. Um, and, and so the enterprise is challenged with trying to report to the SEC across all of those carriers what they're consuming. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a really sizable data problem for most enterprises. Have a lot of folks managed to determine what, like, is there a unified uh, unit of emissions that has been agreed upon, or is it currently in this early stage? We've got the rulemaking coming out. Now they're just starting to tell people, you got to figure out how much you're putting out. Well, there's a couple of primary ways that this gets measured. One is uh, tank to wheel, which is measuring just the greenhouse gas emissions that are produced 
from the actual movement of the vehicle. And then there's weld-to-wheel. And weld-to-wheel is not only what's being produced by the vehicle itself, but also what went into the fuel, uh, the creation of fuels that were that are used by that vehicle. And so both weld-to-wheel and tank-to-wheel are important aspects to, me, uh, to measuring greenhouse gas emissions. I didn't even know about weld-to-wheel. So like, so that's something where, let's say I own a truck and I'm trying to do this uh, publicly traded. I also need to think about who I'm getting my fuel from because if their supply chain is in a situation where it's extremely inefficient, then it may impact myself because I have like a 300 gallon tank on my tractor trailer. Well, and, and think about electric vehicles. So you're absolutely right. But, but in the case of electric vehicles, tank to wheel is virtually zero, right? Because they're just used, they're not using any kind of fuel, they're using electricity to propel the vehicle. But well to wheel, you have to look at how that how that battery is constructed, how the electricity that, that charges that battery is constructed or, or is uh, producing. And so if it's a coal plant, you have greater, greater emissions there, right? As opposed to solar electricity. And so there's rules and and standards for how we calculate these different types of emissions, uh, depending on what the enterprise is trying to report on. And so for a lot of companies, uh, data analytics and finding ways to see it, visibility, of course, uh, what are some ways you all are approaching it when you're meeting with carriers, shippers, and brokers? Is that something where it's a one-size-fits-all, or do folks need to be aware of what they do based on their role? Well, I I think um, for us, in our world, we, we spend a lot of time talking across and working with carriers across all modes of transportation, all regions of the world. And, and so as a result, we're in a very good place to be able to take that same uh, data that we're collecting to manage the financial transaction of, of the move of any kind of transportation move and use that same data to be able to produce carbon emissions estimates. There, there's virtually no way to, to, for any enterprise to get an exact amount of emissions for, due to all the factors that, are, uh, that impact how that, how that um, emission is created. But there, there are better ways than others to estimate. And, uh, and so for us, we use the European standard uh, that is, uh, I would say, the leading uh, uh, industry standard for how to calculate emissions across each different mode. But there are there are other ways to, to do that as well. I, I think the key is not expecting uh, that you're in for an enterprise, not expecting your individual carriers to produce accurate and consistent uh, emissions uh, data to the um, uh, for your individual reporting. So now with an enterprise having to report to the SEC what they're consuming in scope three, uh, they need, they, they need a consistent way to do that, um, that is across all carriers, across all modes, so that they can represent um, fairly to the shareholders, to uh, interested parties, how, um, how that value is being calculated and ultimately how they're trying to drive down emissions. I mean, that's really what we're trying to do here, right, is create transparency and visibility so that we can improve the world. That's what I'm curious. So let's say I'm an enterprise, I'm publicly traded, I work with a carrier network that some of them do, some of them don't. Predicting wise, would that mean that folks will gravitate more towards carriers that can provide their data? Or is there an incentive to say, hey, 
I've got this tool, just plug it in. I need you to give me this data uh, here. Let's make it easier for you to figure it out so that way I can figure it out. Well, it's a great question. So certainly for an enterprise who has strategic 3PL and 4PL relationships, those companies are getting better and better at producing uh, uh, that data and submitting that back to the enterprise. But for large enterprises, publicly traded institutions, they are using carriers all around the world that are not capable of doing that. And so having a method uh, to be able to estimate what those carriers are, are uh, creating in terms of emissions is going to be really important. Uh, and that's, that's really where TRAX comes in, is to be able to uh, provide a consistent uh, method for producing, for producing those estimates and feeding them back up into the enterprise's ESG reporting. For, for SEC purposes. And so looking at how Trax technology does it, what are some of the key components as you're feeding it in there? Are there any like pillars or uh, important things that folks should know that let's say I'm a shipper. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I know I'm about to get yelled at by some shareholders. Uh, what are some of the things that if I want to go to Trax uh, that I would try to figure out uh, in terms of what the technology can help me with? Well, so the nice thing is um, Trax's core business is freight audit, as you mentioned, freight audit and payment. So we're already collecting invoices for every single move that that company makes with a third-party shipper or a carrier. And so we already have the record of the, the uh, move. We have the vehicle, the mode, the distance, the, uh, all of the, these data points that we will need to estimate the, the emissions uh, model. I think the big question is, once you've deployed our technology, what are you using it for? How are you using those emissions to actually to not just filter or the emissions data, not just to filter up to the SEC's uh, reporting requirements, but to filter down into your organization to support procurement processes that now start to consider uh, not just cost of, of move, not just service quality or time of move, but also emissions of move as a as an important part of how those enterprises are making decisions on how they ship around the world. Getting that data down to the individual procurement transportation manager uh, who's making those decisions in real time is really where we want to go with, uh, with the data that we produce. That's what I was thinking about because uh, looking at it from the back end, using the audit data and having it on the back end versus trying to predict what the carrier is doing, does that kind of open up doors to say, let's say I'm a transportation planner and I know that I'm having high emissions from like a uh, LA to Dallas. Well, then I know that the average emissions are this, but if I open up a new DC or a new hub in between these points, would that be something where we can use this data and you can actually make decisions on you know, building and expanding your supply chain to try and reduce that overall uh, you know, Com output? Completely. It goes into all your planning. So there's three legs of the stool when we talk about planning. There's cost, there's service quality, and now there's emissions. And that's and so being able to bring this data in allows you to exactly decide, do you want to build a DC here in, in Albuquerque, or do you want to uh, uh, continue to ship uh, using the lanes that you are, that you're using today? Do you, as we start to think internationally, do we want to avoid air and use more ocean, which is far, far, you know, far lower uh, cost of emissions, but it requires more planning ahead because it takes obviously a whole lot longer time. Um, and so we can make, we can start to make decisions 
they aren't, they aren't easy decisions to make. But if we don't have the emissions data, we can't make good, thoughtful decisions that blend cost, service, and, uh, and emissions together. And thinking about mode as well, you mentioned air and uh, maritime. Uh, what about rail? I know rail has, it depends on where you are, if rail works, you want to hit the main lanes, but is that something yeah. where uh, when you're wanting to look at your scope three, does rail and intermodal play into it like the trains or is scope three right now mostly related to truck transport? No, scope three is everything. Um, so absolutely, we should be thinking about how do we, how do we move more via rail where rail's available. Um, that goes into your DC planning and goes in goes into your overall network planning, and and so yeah, that that's those are the conversations we want to help foster uh, with our customers. And kind of, I want to dig into uh, carbon credits and offsets. So now that we've, we've identified your your network, you see what your emissions are. Uh, is the first thing a lot of people do resort towards trying to buy offsets, or is that something where uh, you know you've noticed clients maybe? working towards offsets as a last resort. How do offsets fit into the mix? Um, well, so first of all, I, I should tell you, I, I'm not an offsets expert, so I, I want to <laughs> say that up front. Uh, but, but I would also say that to me, it's, the, um, it's the, the cheap method of driving emissions out of our overall global climate. Uh, taking advantage of somebody else's work uh, to, to lower your own emissions uh, reporting isn't really lowering your emissions, right? And so you're you're using financial ability to uh, to capitalize on someone else's uh, really good work in terms of driving emissions out. If we're serious about driving a better planet, a more sustainable planet, we need to go beyond uh, buying other people's good work and really investing in the in the hard work of restructuring our manufacturing processes, figuring out how to best move product, where to store it, how to store it. Um, all of the, all of the, you know, the optimization of the supply, of the true supply chain via uh, uh, based on carbon emissions. Uh, and, and to do that, we're going to need to have really good data at each leg of the supply chain. Uh, and so that's, that's really where our focus is at Trax, is trying to help customers reduce total cost of transportation uh, and supply chain, while also doing good for the for the planet. And kind of looking at, uh, you know, what's the consensus and vibe? We saw the rules released in like March-ish of uh, 22, and uh, I haven't followed up on it yet, but I'm assuming right now, when we're looking at the rulemaking period, is this something where folks are still needing to be prepared and start making plans, or is this a done deal with the scope three and this climate uh, related regulations that the SEC wants investors to know about. Yeah, it, so it doesn't seem to be quite a done deal yet. There's still discussion, uh, and uh, and you know the midterms I think slowed down a little bit of the progress. We weren't sure which way the midterms were going to go, and, and that might have bearing on it. With that settled uh, and the holidays behind us, I think the SEC is going to to get back on this pretty quickly. And given the way the the midterms. Uh, ended or finished, I don't see uh, scope three coming out uh, of the of the proposed rules. But the um, but whether it comes out immediately or not, it, it's it's coming soon, right? The SEC has been very clear. This is something investors care about. Um, this is something consumers care about. They the consumers are already voting with their wallets 
on brands that they believe to be more sustainable. Now investors want to say sustainability and, and uh, the future of our planet matters to us making good investment decisions. And so this is coming. It will be a part of the SEC reporting. And, uh, and if, you, if you read the rules now, as they're written, uh, large enterprises will have to start reporting on scope three starting in 2025 for the 2024 year. That means that they have to, this year, 2023, is the year to implement a solution to allow you to be able to start measuring on Gen 1, 2024. You have, like, that's where it's going. So it's really important that enterprises take this seriously and start to think about it if they aren't already. And is there any, like looking at like a carrot and stick approach to emissions, is there any kind of, we talk about GMOs, for example, you know, you can have, you can say, uh, or if you have uh, sustainability in your packaging, or you have a little sticker that says USDA organic, is there something that we may see in the future that to kind of get more companies to get involved with these emissions saying, hey, you're a zero emissions packaging or a zero emissions supply chain transport. Is that kind of an opportunity to use the technology and say, hey, you get on here, you work with tracks, we'll show you how to get this. Here's some of the pluses you can get. Has there been any traction in the industry on trying to convince folks? You know, I, I think there's um, there are standard bo standards bodies, including ISO and, and others that are starting to think more about this area. And, and message that they're going to be coming out with things. I love your idea from a from a marketing standpoint. We might uh, we might tuck that in our pocket of tracks and, and think about that going forward. But what I really see when I talk to our, our enterprise customers is that they're starting to think about the the market value of being able to say that a particular product line in their portfolio is carbon neutral. They're they're looking to align carbon neutrality and sustainability with their with the consumers that they believe care about it. And so they're starting to drive towards how do we how do we take this particular product line and make it completely carbon neutral? Uh, and that's that's a great first step. I love that. That's a that's a path forward. And then as we as that starts to build momentum, I think that's that's how we'll get more large enterprises more fully enveloped into uh, into reducing or, or completely eliminating their carbon footprint. That's what blew my mind. I got to ride in a Nikola truck at Covenant when they did the uh, demo. And uh, one of the EVPs had talked to me. He's in doing sustainability. He said that just that one truck that they were testing at that facility drew so much interest that customers were starting to reach out that they hadn't heard of before because they're like, hey, can we get this for our DC? Can we have this at our little warehouse? Uh, you know, the, the infrastructure wasn't even there. They're using a diesel generator for one of them at the time. But uh, I like that idea because I feel like a lot of the reporting, especially with the freight community, has been, uh, oh, gosh, more work for me. But I think using the technology and developing those standards, you say, not more work, way to stand out. Kind of changing that narrative for folks to say, yeah, you're going to do some pain. Here's the tech to back it up. Here's tracks and, you know, being able to provide this to you. Um, you know, looking forward, uh, are we seeing publicly traded companies in supply chain, trucking, brokers, shippers? Is one of them kind of taking the lead right now or we, do we have some laggards? Uh Yes, there are some vendors out there that are doing better with their ability to measure, manage, and produce options. Um, candidly, I, I'm, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus uh, <laughs> in, in regard to uh, their, you know, their laggard or, or forward-looking position. Um, what, what I would say is that most transportation companies that I talk to, most leaders, um, are thinking about this in the context of 
we want to create options so that our customers can vote with their wallets. If, if um, a, a more carbon-friendly uh, transportation model is, is interesting to them, is worth them paying us to do so, then we're happy to provide that. We want to provide those options, whether they be electric trucks or they be uh, better choices of fuel in airplanes and, and any number of different uh, possibilities, right? You, you, you highlighted a couple yourself. And so I think that's where we're seeing optionality come to the marketplace from the larger 4PLs, which is, a, again, a good first step. It really is going to come down to how committed that enterprise is. Are they, you know, can they, can they find enough? Right now, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit when it comes to uh, opportunities to reduce both costs and emissions at the same time. Let's get through that that part first, and we and help companies save money and be more carbon neutral. But then, as it gets down the road here, and we and we've exhausted the the investments to reduce cost. Uh, when does it become a time where we want to, where being carbon neutral is worth a penny more per, you know, per shipment or a penny more per, um, what have you, for, for, for the unit, right? Per when does it become worth yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, we're not there yet. The, the, the you know, global, uh, uh, global enterprises are definitely not there yet. Um, occasionally you'll find one, one or two brands that are really, really passionate about it and it's core to who they are. But broadly, uh, we've got some time before we get there. I feel like it has to come from the brands, the shippers, the retails, the retailers, because it almost feels like a lot of these things like tracking visibility usually starts from them. They want to know what's going on and they have to force the incumbents on it. And then you, as a trucking company, you begrudgingly say, well, if I have to haul your stuff, I'm going to have to do this. Um, final thoughts here goals where to start and realistic versus optimistic what are some good goals are, are there a unified set of goals that acceptable like a 10 percent? or what are some of your thoughts when talking to clients how do you set goals and how do you make sure they're realistic enough they don't get burned later so the first when we talk to clients the first thing we say is don't set goals to, on, on reduction yet because you don't have a good way to measure the first step is just a, a good way to measure your your overall carbon footprint, your carbon emissions, including scope three. Let's have an enterprise view in your ESG program that looks across the enterprise and, and, and creates a, a, an accurate, read, you know, to, to, uh, to the level that we can, an accurate measure of, uh, of emissions. Then we can start looking at how do we uh, create goals to, for, for you know, long-term sustainability. And what we would, what I would tell you is, most companies I talk to are thinking about, you know, five-year goals, uh, investments that, you know, investments in packaging is an example. It's not an overnight success, right? You've got to design the packaging, you've got to roll it out, you got to, you got to adjust machinery, you've got to adjust supply chains and shipping. There's a lot to that project. It's a, it's a very useful project. It helps to drive, you know, if you do it well, it helps to drive carbon emissions down quite a bit, but. Um, but that might take all of 23 as an example. And so this is, you know, this this is a long-term play. It's a long-term strategy. But the very first thing we want to do is just get to a place where we can measure accurately. That way we can empower people with data at all levels of the organization to start to build that sustainability culture. 
And final thoughts here for folks who want to reach out, learn more about track, get involved, sign up for the technology. What's the best way they can get in contact with you all? Well, we'd love to hear from them. Uh, they can go to our website, www.trackstech.com. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, so we, we would love to hear from you. Perfect, Josh. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We're going to keep an eye on If you do come up with a rating system with stickers or gold, silver, and bronze, you let me know. I'd like to be the first to report on it. I, I owe you 5%. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for the time. This was great. Thank you, sir. That's going to be a wrap for Loaded and Rolling, but definitely check out what the folks at Tracks are doing. Uh, you know, trying to find it, identify it. I love always working through the back end and finding it because a lot of times in freight, even like owner operators, uh, you know, never count out the folks who do payment processing and auditing because sometimes folks won't share that data with you. You got to figure it out on other ways to approach it. My other thing is, though, uh, one day Thomas's Carbon Capture Inc. trademark totally right now. Uh, as my rig rolls down the road, it shall produce me bricks from the soot from its DEF filter. There's opportunities out there, folks. Stay excited. That's going to be it, though, for this episode of Loaded and Rolling. You can check out the newsletter, New Times, Tuesday, wait, Wednesdays and Fridays. Crap, I got to do that now. Yeah, Wednesday afternoons and Friday afternoons. So those of you night owls, uh, you'll have to check it out a little bit earlier. We also have, of course, Joining us next week, uh, exciting times, 1 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday. That's it, though. I'm Thomas Watson. Join us next week. We'll do it live.